Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to Round and Third, presented by SoCalledFantasyExperts.com. And now, here are your hosts, Nick and T. Welcome to Rounding Third, your weekly fantasy baseball podcast brought to you by the so-called fantasy experts. My name is Nick. I'll be your co-host along with my friend T. He's here on the other line. Um, This week, we're going to start things out kind of easy. We're just going to do a little bit of a preview of pitchers and catchers, uh, followed by a little more preview of corner infielders. Um, Later this week, we'll come out with a preview of the rest of the players. And then, you know, opening day, we'll have our first big episode with uh, predictions, previews, values, uh, news to go over. It's going to be a much more jam-packed show once the season hits. And I'm, you know, I'm really excited, dude. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, I am equally as excited uh, to get back into the baseball swing of things. And uh, not only that, to get back into the podcast swing of things, uh, uh, you came over and asked me if I wanted to do a podcast. I've been itching to get back into the podcast scene. So thank you for putting the who day with a U, not an L, Back onto the podcast scene for you folks. Uh, yeah, we're going to come out with some fantasy baseball stats uh, today. We're going to talk a little bit about catchers and this and that and the other. But, uh, Nick, why don't you uh, get us started and uh, lead the way? Yeah, so let's let's kick it off with pitchers. Um, I'm sitting here looking at my top five list. And, you know, I, I think with the pitchers, especially going over, like, fantasy pros rankings and mixing and matching there, I think it really comes down to it's the same top five for everybody. It's just kind of the order that they were put in. Um, you know, I have Kershaw at the top, obviously, um, in my opinion, and some people disagree. I think he's really the only pitcher maybe worthy of a first-round pick. Uh, I'm not trying to take pitchers too high when I can bank on guys later on. Um, but after him, you know, I have Max Scherzer coming in second. I think he's going to have a solid second season with the Nats. Um, Chris Sale at third. Madison Bumgarner fourth, and Jake Arrieta for the Cubs rounding out at fifth. Uh, for me personally, I mean, it, it is almost kind of like it's the same top five. Uh, I, I'm not sure what my rankings look like right now on Fantasy Pros because I do go in and I change them uh, kind of every other day over at FantasySixPack.net. Uh, so... For me, I like the top four. I think the top four is definitely something where you're like, okay, these four guys are definitely the best in baseball right now. Uh, But when you get to Jake Arrieta, I think it's an interesting case because, you know, last year, you know, kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, Not really. I mean, his numbers kind of dictated that, you know, this was possible, switching from the AL to the NL. Yeah, there was a little time that he needed to adjust. And uh, once that adjustment period happened and, the, you know, the light bulb kind of clicked, he uh, had kind of a, an unreal second half last year. 
you know, obviously with a coach like Joe Madden uh, leading those Cubs, he's going to get the best out of his pitchers. There's no doubt about that. And, and a guy like Jake Arrieta, I, I still consider him as one of the better pitchers in baseball. You know, obviously he won the hardware last year. But at the same time, you know, going into this season, uh, I'm kind of on the side where I'm like, you know, this kind of was kind of an outliner season. I want to see him try and do it again. Uh, you know, you, people got fooled before, you know, last year. Look at Corey Kluber uh, as far as where, you know, everyone was picking him last year and the production they ended up getting from him last year. I think Jake Arrieta is going to kind of be in that same spot for me this year where I still like him. I still think he's a serviceable uh, starter for many people's fantasy rosters. But at the same time, not for me at number five. I think I'm going to slide the Dark Knight into that fifth category. Uh, Matt Harvey's just a beast for me. Uh, I like everything that he offers to a fantasy baseball team, as far as the strikeouts, the quality starts. Uh, You know, obviously the injury concerns are going to be there, just like with any other player. Uh, So for me, it's Matt Harvey. Uh, but it's more like splitting hairs between Harvey, Arietta, and a couple other guys. Yeah, and I, I I like that you have Harvey right there at five because for me it was I, I flipped back and forth between Harvey and Arietta. Um, I think I'm with Arietta five just because the NL Central is such trash now. Um, you really have the St. Louis Cardinals is really like the only formidable hitting team, you know, kind of top to bottom. Uh, the Brewers are not even going to compete. Uh, the Pirates looked like they downgraded a little bit. So, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot less competition, a lot less good hitters for him to face. So I think that's why I split him in there, whereas the NL East is, you know, really, really competitive. Um, but I, at the end of the day, like you said, it's it's splitting hairs. You could go either way with these guys. So looking, um, you know, moving on, like with these top fives, when we talk about them for all positions, it's going to be kind of quick because, you know, for everybody, even the beginners, the top five at these positions is usually kind of a no-brainer. So where we get into the meat of things is like uh, biggest risks at the pitcher position. Um, I have three, and they're really all based on the same thing. Moving to a new um, division and or team, uh, we have Jeff Samarja, Jordan Zimmerman, and Zach Greinke. Honestly, three of my favorite pitchers. Um, but you worry about them, and I always worry anytime I see a player moving to another team, especially a new division um, or a new league, moving from the NL to the AL or vice versa, you're always going to have worries. Um, Samarja pitching for the Giants, a um, lot of hitter-friendly parks that he's going to go to. You know, He's going to play, what, maybe 10 games in Coors this year? That's that's not that great uh, for someone that didn't have that great of a season last year. Uh, but Zach Greinke is the most intriguing to me because this is someone, you know, that's a, a top 10 pitcher. Um, he's one of the aces. Uh, what worries me about him is his ADP just climbs continuously. Like, it always goes up. Um, he, you know, I've seen him taken in first rounds of some mocks and just kind of lost my mind. Uh, moving to the Arizona Diamondbacks, he moves to a very hitters-friendly park. Um, Over the last three seasons, he actually has a declining K rate, which kind of blew my mind once I saw that. And then, too, looking at kind of like the advanced stats, um, a 2.7 FIP last year, which suggests he was a little more lucky than anything. Um, So, you know, with top 10 ADP right now, I just – 
I think that's a little too risky for me. I need to stay away. Now, I could be wrong, and, you know, he could turn in a Cy Young season this year, but you, you just never know with this guy, especially with his fragile psyche and all his social awkwardness. Well, I mean, at the same time, you also, you know, got to think about Arizona kind of plays like Colorado and where, you know, especially when it gets hot down there, the ball definitely likes to get up and out in a hurry. Lots of home runs get hit down there uh, in, in a, what is that, Chase? Chase Field yep. or something like that down there. And, uh, you know, with Grinky, his stuff has been, you know, always really, really good. I, I think that, you know, he's definitely benefited from the switch from the AL to the NL. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of going to be interesting, uh, those uh, those handful of games versus the Dodgers uh, this year, is, is seeing if he's going to get tattooed or if he's just going to be lights out against them this year. Uh so, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from as far as his biggest risk. I still think the skill set's there. You know, Grinky's definitely one of those guys that are that's in that splitting hairs category uh, with Matt Harvey and Jake Arrieta as far as, you know, the talent's there. But uh, you, you just don't know what you're going to get out of him this year just because of, you know, it, it's really kind of an unknown. Uh, Arizona has not had the greatest history uh, since, you know, the days of Randy Johnson and, you know, Kurt Schilling, uh, as far as having these, you know, fantastic uh, aces to lead their staff coming into a year like a Grinky is this year. So uh, it's going to be definitely interesting to see. Uh, one more name I wanted to throw out there as far as it's kind of like a biggest risk because I definitely agree with all of that from you. Uh, going to the AL side, really it's kind of the, that Houston staff. I'm really concerned about that Houston staff. You see uh, a lot of people investing into this Houston staff uh, after a year where, you know, many people didn't really think that Houston was going to do anything in the baseball world. Uh, kind of caught a lot of people by surprise. A lot of things broke their way the right way, especially the uh, uprising of uh, Carlo, Carlos Carrera. Uh, but that Houston staff, you know, you got Dallas Cochinell, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the other guys. Um, McCullers, uh, who, who's the other guy that's stationed for the Houston staff? You drawing a blank. Uh, <laughs> Scott Cashmere? No, not Scott Cashmere. No, definitely not Scott Cashmere. That that bump can go somewhere else. Um, can't think of the name. And it should I should have Mike had Fire, it like uh, traded for the Brewers last year. Uh, yeah, he's he's gonna be a serviceable guy for him. Doug Fisher, who? that's who you're looking for. No, no, definitely not a Fister either. Uh, it, it's it's Cushnell and uh, uh, the other guy. I can't think of his name right now. Uh, obviously, it will probably come back to me after the, McHugh, the podcast. McHugh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those two guys, uh, you know, that like the staff last year. Uh, as far as, you know, ERA out of nowhere, especially in the AL. Yeah, they play in the AL Central, uh, obviously. That division as far as hitters goes is not really that intimidating uh so there's some kind of stock you can put into these guys but i think that you know after a year where a lot of things kind of just broke the right way for them um you know i'd be worried about putting them on my staff just after you know some of the numbers i mean dallas cushnell put up 300 230 plus k's last year after only posting you know barely 140 150 in seasons past that he was the starter for this team. So, uh, you know, things like that I look at, I'm just kind of like, well, you know, 
why did that happen? And I think that, you know, they just kind of maybe got lucky. You know, maybe it was kind of like an angels in the outfield moment for this team last year, and uh, they come back to earth a little bit as far as their pitching staff's concerned. Yeah, and, you know, I think you make a good point, too. And the AL West is always wide open. I mean, the Rangers continuously come out of nowhere and make a run towards the division at the end of the season. The A's are always in it. We always say the Mariners are going to be the up-and-coming hot team, and, you know, maybe they're going to prove us right one of these years. So I think I think that's – I like what you're touching on there. That's a rotation I'm probably trying to steer clear of outside of maybe Dallas Keiko, but even then, you know, it's it's risky. Uh, moving forward with the pitchers to sleepers. I love sleepers. Um, back when I used to write about fantasy a lot um, for Number Fire and uh, different sites, like sleepers is always what I focused on. Um, it, it's a fun category because you get to d- dive a little deeper. You've got to look at advanced stance a little more. You've got to look at, you know, many seasons past, kind of put them all together. Um, I came up with three guys that I really like this year. Uh, Rick Porcello, uh, his ADP is just tanking because he had the worst season ever last year since 2010. Um, but if you really, really look at it, like it wasn't that bad. Uh, he had a walk per nine ratio under two for the second straight year, just under eight Ks per nine innings and a 20% K rate, which were all career highs. Um, and he got his whip back under 130 towards the end of the season. So like it's promising with Boston. He's got another year under his belt there. Uh, I like, I really look for a nice bounce back from him. Another guy that I've been high on for forever, and I'm really hoping he can reach his potential, is Michael Pineda. Uh, traded for Jesus Montero between the Yankees and the Mariners, like, what, four years ago now? Um, he hasn't played in two years, just keeps getting derailed by injuries. But um, in 2014, you know, he was amazing. 1.89 ERA and a .83 whip. But that's insane. And less than one walk per nine innings. The little bit of time he played in 2015, uh, a 4.37 ERA and a 1.23 whip, um, almost 300 batting average against, uh, just not the best. But there were some promising stats in there as well. Um, he did still have just over one walk per nine innings, which is the third lowest for starting pitchers, um, and a little just under nine Ks per inning, which was, or per nine innings, excuse me, which was actually in the top 30. So, you know, if he, he can be like August and September Michael Pineda, um, this season he, he's going to be awesome, and he's really going to help anchor that Yankees rotation. And then uh, the other one for me is Rasmus Ramirez in Tampa Bay. Um, had a great year last year. 3.75 ERA and a 1.13 whip, a uh, little over two walks per nine. And really cool stat about him, he threw a first pitch strike two-thirds of the time. Uh, so, you know, they're going to be looking on him with a lot of their pitchers coming back from injury. Um, the Rays are always competitive, it seems. So I look for him to probably have a really good season, and you can, his ADP is ridiculously low right now. I, I kind of like two of the three. I, I don't think I'm going to touch Rick Porcello ever again. <laughs> uh, in the history, history of fantasy baseball, uh, just he's just one of those guys where I'm just like, no more, I can't, I can't do this anymore to myself. Uh, you know, it, he's still relatively young. Uh, you know, obviously the Boston Red Sox, you know, paid him a uh, pretty penny to be, uh, you know, an elite starter or at least a serviceable three. So, um, you know, obviously they're hoping for the bounce back. You're hoping for the bounce back. Uh, the other two guys, though, I really, really like more so um, Pineda than or, the eraser. I think that's what people still try and call <laughs> this guy. Uh, so with Pineda, I, I was 
like you, you know, I, I invested in him when he was in Seattle. Uh, I thought that, you know, he was definitely one of the up-and-coming, you know, new talent uh, as far as, his, you know, strikeout arms is concerned. And you're right, man. He just haven't been able to catch a break as far as, you know, suspensions and injuries are concerned. So uh, hopefully he can come back and, you know, be healthy for this season. Uh, three guys that I kind of like. Uh, the first guy, I'm just going to throw it out there just because of the fact that, you know, I actually – I've been a believer in this guy since day one. Unfortunately, I will be going to Cincinnati Reds games this year just to boo him. Uh, and that's Mike Leake. Uh, you know, Mike Leake is now with the St. Louis Cardinals, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, when you look at Mike Leake and you look at his numbers, you know, here's a guy that's actually been in the majors since he's been drafted pretty much. Um, so you look at his history as well. You know, he started – almost 30 games for, like, the last five years. Uh, still a relatively young guy. And going to an organization like St. Louis where, you know, they they somehow get the best out of their pitchers. Uh, you know, remember when Kyle Loesch was pitching uh, for them and, you know, he was good. You know, how many times has John Lackey pitched for the Cardinals and put up respectable numbers? I think the same can be said with Mike Leake. Uh, I, you know, you look at the strikeouts, they're not, you know, great. Uh, last year he had probably his worst year, uh, you know, in the last couple of years. Didn't really have a good strikeout. It's only 119. But I think that he can get back up into that 150 range, which is serviceable. Uh, when we're talking about a sleeper here, I, I think the sleeper status was is probably going to come from his ERA. I think here's a guy that you can probably count on to probably get down to that 3-3 range. Uh, 3-4 maybe is probably the more realistic number. But still, I think that when you're thinking as a whole and uh, a guy that where you can get him in the late later rounds, 3-3, uh, 3-4, that's very, very serviceable uh, as far as just trying to build a roster and trying to you know maintain a respectable ERA throughout the season. And I think that the strikeouts definitely go up as well. Um, you know, like you said, the NL Central – doesn't really have that many fearful bats, and he does have some pretty decent stuff. Uh, you know, he was dealing with some injuries last year, and, uh, you know, hopefully he's coming back healthy, and unfortunately, pitching for the St. Louis Cardinals, yes, I will be booing him, like I said, this year. Um, a couple of other guys, you know, that I've been targeting, uh, I like Kyle Gibson uh, late up there in Minnesota. Uh, the numbers on the surface do not look great. Uh, when you look at them, you know, the ERA is atrocious. Uh, but the strikeouts, uh, I think that the strikeouts continue to rise. I think last year, you know, he had 150. Uh, the ERA, like I said, was not great. But I think that, you know, we can get about, squeeze about 20 to 25 more strikeouts out of him. Uh, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, given his skill set. Here's a guy that, you know, we all kind of clamored upon over the last few years as far as his, uh, prospects and pitching is concerned. Um, you know, obviously he's going to be at the back end of the, that rotation uh, again this year, so he may not have favorable matchups. But at the same time, I think that, you know, when we're talking about sleepers, it just depends on where you're getting these guys. And when you talk about sleepers, value can come from anywhere late in the draft. And I think that a guy like Kyle Gibson, who's going to be young, hopefully can stay relatively healthy throughout the year, eat up some innings, uh, he can put up some work and, and, and definitely help bolster 
uh, those strikeout numbers. But if you're, you know, looking for strikeouts late in drafts, uh, that's definitely a guy you should target. Another guy that I like targeting as far as the sleeper is concerned is Trevor Bauer, uh, you know, the ex-Diamondback prospect uh, up there in Cleveland now. He's another guy where, you know, I think that the strikeouts are going to go up. And, and, you know, the the body of work he put in last year was probably the first year where he kind of pitched from the, you know, opening day in the majors to the end of the year. And, uh, you know, you kind of saw a red light, you know, a light bulb come on with this guy as well. Frank Kona's going to make sure he gets the best out of his staff. I mean, look what we've seen out of Clark Kluber. And I think that, you know, you'll probably see the same out of Trevor Bauer this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a breakout year for the Cleveland Indians and probably leads that team in strikeouts. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I can't disagree with that at all. And I like something you touched on, too, um, the word serviceable um, and pointing out, like, one or two stats that you're counting on these guys for. Uh, that, I think that's the whole point with sleepers, um, you know, is it, to get somebody at the very back end of the draft or even, like, on the waiver wire or through free agency that if you have an injury or you have a guy whose ERA is just ballooning and you've got to bench him for a while – someone that you can place in there that's really just going to replace that one stat for you because you're not worried about another one. And I think definitely everyone that you said really fits that bill. So last but not least for the pitchers, uh, breakout star. I Man, I had like four different guys for this one, and I just kept changing it and kept changing it and kept changing it. And finally, I, like, I stuck on the guy I started with. I went back. Uh, Marcus Strawman from Toronto. Oh, Dude. that's my guy. That is my guy. Oh, that's fair. I'll, I'll I'll pick somebody else on the fly, but go ahead. Okay. Um. So, and I can mention a couple of my other guys too. Then, just for shits and gigs. But, uh, dude broke onto the scene in a huge way as a youngster in twenty. 20- had an amazing season, um, you know, comes into spring training, gets that horrible knee injury in 2015, but still comes back at the end of the season. Made four starts of the regular season, three starts in the playoffs, 2.72 ERA, whip under 1.3, 28 strikeouts in 46 innings. Uh, that's all and more you can hope from a guy coming back from a knee injury in, you know, six-ish months. Uh, he's going to be their ace this year. I think he's poised to have the breakout year now this year that he was supposed to have last year. Um, He knows that division well. He's faced almost all of those batters already. So, I mean, I think he's going to have a huge year. Uh, He could even be, you know, like a dark horse candidate for the Cy Young. You know, that's not not completely crazy. Uh, You know, I, I honestly, like last year, I did a piece for Fantasy Pros where they, you know, they asked me to pick, you know, some kind of a bold prediction. And I went on record to say, hey, you know, I think this Blue Jays staff can definitely get it done and make make them, you know, contenders and they'll win the AL East. Uh, you know, as crazy as it was at the time, uh, my buddy at Slim Cliffy on Twitter, uh, you know, told me, hey, you know, if it happens, uh, you know, I, I, will, I will praise you till, till the cows come home. And, you know, they ended up doing it. Obviously, Stroman wasn't a part of the plan most of the year. But he was actually kind of an interesting piece when I started thinking about the prediction where, you know, I figured this guy could have a breakout year. And obviously the injury came in, derailed plans. But I'm I'm with you. I think that, you know, a full year under his belt, uh, you know, the talent that he exudes uh, in that that division, 
yeah, it may be a little bit rough in that division, but at the same time, I think the skill set's there, and I think you're on to something where, you know, he could have a breakout year, and he could be a breakout year to the point where we could be talking about a side young here, for sure. Cool. I'm glad we're on the same page there. So the other guy I really struggled with um, was Kyle Hendricks from the Cubs. I think uh, big dude's going to have a really big year this year as well. Oh, you and these Cubs. You and these Cubs. You must you must be a Joe Madden fan. I, I, oh, think, I think you're a Joe Madden fan. Well, I'm a Joe Madden fan, and I'm also a Theo Epstein draft pick fan. So, like, even though I'm, like, a hardcore Brewers fan, I'm such a fanboy for literally, like, everyone coming up through the Cubs system and starting right now. You know, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, uh, Addison Reed – or Addison Russell, excuse me. Uh, like, I'm, I'm excited about this team. They're really good, and they're fun to watch. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's the the moment that Joe Madden and well, the moment that Theo Epstein took over over in that that clubhouse, uh, I knew it was over. I, I just knew it was over. As a Cincinnati Red fan, uh, as long as Theo's around, I I just know that we're not going to go anywhere. We're not going to do anything. There's just no point. Uh, I have no idea why the Boston Red Sox let him go. Uh, I think that's probably the dumbest thing they've ever done. Um, I think they should have fired whoever was pissing Theo off because look at what the Cubs are doing right now. Uh, they're doing it quickly, and they're going to be doing it for a while now because they have all this young talent. And I, I do like Kendricks. Uh, you know, he's definitely been somebody that hasn't – Kendricks, he hasn't had, you know, the I guess the exposure yet. But I think that with a coach like Joe Madden at the helm, uh, he knows how to definitely craft these young guys into, um, you know, amazing pitchers. So I'm definitely with you there. Uh, You know, picking another guy on the fly, a guy that I am very, very fond of, and I've been fond of from the start. And I guess I just might as well just become a St. Louis Cards fan because here I am talking about another one. But uh, as far as this breakout, I think – C-Mart, where you're getting him right now in drafts, uh, is ADPs around that eighth, ninth round. Uh, and when we're talking about a breakout guy, I mean, we're talking about a guy that, you know, C-Mart, who could end up being taken in, the, you know, the second, third, or fourth round next year. Uh, you look at his strikeouts last year, and he had over 180 strikeouts uh, with a respectable ERA of, you know, 3.01. So looking at those numbers, you know, on the surface, they don't scream, oh, this guy's an absolute stud. Uh, But it's pretty damn close. And I think that, you know, this ADP is absolutely disrespectful to the skill set. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, with a full healthy year, uh, pushing that 200K mark and still probably lowering that ERA down to maybe a 2.8, uh, even maybe like a 2.7. Uh, so when we're talking about breakout, I, I think that, you know, Carlos Martinez of the St. Louis Cardinals is definitely a guy to consider as a breakout this year, uh, kind of in the same light as uh, Strom. Man, I don't think we're ever going to have anything to argue about on this show because he was, like, the third guy I bounced around between. <laughs> uh, everything you said is fully right. And, I, you know, it's – as an NL Central fan, it's, like, the jealousy is so real with everything that the Cardinals pull off time and time again with their young pitchers. Like, it's just – it's not even fair, really. Yeah, I agree. 
<laughs> All right, so switching positions now. We're going to look at catcher. Um, nothing hurts me to my core more than what I'm about to say next, but number one for me, I mean, it should be a no-brainer, but Gerald Posey the third, uh, a.k.a. Buster. Uh, just Go Knowles. The, oh, the guy that ruined baseball. Ruined all Go the for catcher. Yeah, so, you know, I just, I'm I'm not a fan, obviously, but I, I think, obviously, he's, like, the number one guy. Um, anytime, too, with catchers, you've got to love the catchers that have the multi-position aspect to them, being able to slot them at first or catcher, even if they only play, like, 10 games at first all year. It's nice for that roster flexibility when it comes to injuries or underperformance. Two, maybe being a little homer, and I have to qualify this one, Jonathan Lucroy. Um, I think as long as the Brewers hold on to him, uh, he has really good protection in the lineup with Ryan Braun. He's playing really well this spring. He's bouncing back nicely from injury. Um, in 2014, he was like the best hitting catcher in baseball. Um, average over 300. Set the club record for doubles in a season with 56. I mean, just a really good year. And I think you know he's one of the few bright spots for the Brewers. So as long as they don't, he doesn't get traded until you know the trade deadline. I think he can still pull off second. Um, but if he gets traded really early in the season and struggles, you know, obviously he's going to fall down the list, which is kind of a risk you take with a player like that. Um, after him, I have Salvador Perez. I love switch hitting catchers. Dude's the man. Kansas City's on a roll, so good for him. Number four, another Cub, Kyle Schwarber. Uh, you know, I think he gets bumped to fourth for me because he has the ability to be slotted at outfield and catcher. Um, and even in like specific leagues, he can literally be put at right field and left field. So you have like a person who can be slotted at three different positions who might not even catch that many games, but roster flexibility is what it's all about. And he's just going to mash a bunch of homers again. And then fifth, I have Russell Martin. Um, you know, he's been consistently steady for the last like three years. He's put up really good numbers and creeped, you know, somewhere in the five to eight range at any given time. And his ADP is kind of low for a catcher. So he's a nice little pickup. Well, I think I think the reason for that is that with the catcher positions, the after you get past like the first three or first four that you mentioned, you know, it, it, there's kind of that drop off between Kyle Schwarberger and Russell Martin. You know what I mean? Where you, you're not you're not getting the pop that you're getting out of you know the first four. Uh, you're not getting the doubles. You're not really getting the RBI production uh, because of the fact that Martin kind of plays down into that fifth, sixth slot in the Toronto order, uh, whereas, you know, the other guys are definitely in the top four uh, of their orders. Um, you know, you, with a guy like Buster Posey, I have, I agree with your list, by the way, 100%. I think it's probably the the only way that you can look at that list. Uh, I've seen some people, you know, kind of bump up Brian McCann. Uh, you know, he had a decent year last year, so I can see where there's an argument there. But those five, for me, you think about the where they play, all the reasons that you mentioned. Uh, Buster Posey, for me, definitely far and away is number one, uh, just due to the fact that, you know, the, the average that he puts up uh, at the position that he puts up is extremely valuable in fantasy baseball. Uh, then you go down. I like LaCroix. I like him a lot, actually. I actually took him in my uh, FSWA league draft the other night. And I, I'm with you. You know, he had an off year last year, and I think that was mainly due to injury. And coming off of a year 
uh, where he, he was just so injury plagued. Uh, there's going to be a lot to prove, and I think that that whole trade thing is going to play into it as well. Uh, but at the same time, you got to think about you know here's a guy that's probably playing for you know a pretty big contract, whether it's with the Brewers or the next club that you know picks him up. So. Uh, I I expect him to have a bounce back year for sure. I took the gamble on him, I believe, in the ninth round uh, of the draft uh, as my first catcher and only catcher on my team. I, I'm definitely a believer in the bounce back. Uh, I don't want to talk about Kyle Schwarberger because it just pains me too much. <laughs> uh, I know that the Reds didn't have a chance to draft this guy, but at the same time, man, I just to know that he grew up like literally five minutes away from my house and he plays for the Cubs. It's just, it just breaks my heart. Um, obviously we can't have ourselves, you know, Barry Larkins coming up through the system all day, every day. Uh, but it would have been nice to see him actually suit up in a Cincinnati red uniform instead of that fucking cub uniform. Uh, but everybody else, I like the list. I, I definitely like Russell Martin at five. I would probably have to put him up there at five over Brian McCann due to the fact that he plays for Toronto. Uh, and I like Toronto's lineup a little bit better than I like New York's from top to bottom. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, Martin has a, a lot more protection in that lineup when you look at Edwin Encarnacion and Joey Bats and Troy Tulowitzki and Josh Donaldson and oh my God, dude, that team is so good. So you know, that's I think that's a big difference is less pressure. Pitchers are you know if pitchers start to pitch around him, great. His on base percentage is going to skyrocket. Walks are going to skyrocket. So it's it's kind of a win win. Like it's not a huge deal. Um, looking at risks, you know, this is a list that even in the last few days has been kind of fluid for me. Um, maybe not in any sort of order, but definitely uh, Devin Mazzaracco, uh coming back from a really bad hip injury, and that's what worries me. Um, on Fantasy Pros, he's ranked 11th this season, and like looking at the projected stats, I couldn't really disagree with any of them. If he's healthy, if he can crouch behind that play for 139 games, like, yes, I think he will, you know, get close to cracking top 10, definitely top 15 for catchers. But hip injuries of catchers is usually like a, a, you know, it means they're going to first base within the next two years for good. So I worry about his ability to stay behind the plate, stay healthy, play a lot. Um, you know, it's, they're in the National League, so it's not like he can just move to DH. Uh, so it's someone I, I keep an eye on. I don't know if I'm going to draft him just because of the big risk there, but there's a ton of upside. Um, another guy for me is JT Realmuto. I, don't, I honestly don't know how to say dude's name, so if I butchered it, whatever. Um, regression is a huge deal here. He went straight from AA to MLB has no power to speak of, a low average. And really the only thing that really like boosted his fantasy production was his eight stolen bases. So I mean I'm just I'm looking at a guy that was like a one hit wonder, you know, kinda came up and adjusted well initially. Um but there's so many good pitchers in that division, they're gonna figure him out quickly and I don't think he's gonna be ranked nearly as high as everyone else does. And then Yachty, um, for St. Louis. Name recognition keeps his ADP way higher than it should be. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with Fantasy Pro's rank of like 15th or so. Uh, but, I mean, he's getting older. His injury concerns are getting worse. And he has had across-the-board numbers decline for the last four years. So that's just someone that, besides my utter hatred for him, uh, someone I'm avoiding a lot in drafts this year. 
Yeah, it's interesting with Devin Masaraco. Uh, you know, being a Cincinnati Reds fan, you know, I hear a lot of the chatter about his injury uh, pretty much day in and day out here uh, from the Cincinnati media. And while the hip injury is very, very scary in itself, I'm actually more worried about the concussions. Uh, here's a guy that, you know, two years ago he suffered a concussion uh, from taking, you know, a foul ball off the mask and, uh, you know, normally they do the DL, you know, seven for concussions. And, you know, we thought, that, you know, hey, he was just going to be down for a week. He was going to come back. And he didn't come back for like two, three, four months. Uh, being a catcher, you know, back there, you know, those foul tip, foul balls off the catcher's mask happen a lot. And, uh, you know, say that, you know, he ends up getting another concussion and, uh you know, he, that could be it for him for for the season. Uh, you know, being a homer that I am in fantasy drafts, I've avoided Devin Mazzaracco like the plague. Uh, you know, obviously I want him to be healthy. I want him to play well. I agree with you. You know, hey, this guy, the upside's there. If he can play 130 at least, uh, you know, I would count out 25 home runs, you know, 90 RBIs, uh, you know, and a solid, you know, 293, 300 average. But I'm with you, you know, this injury, you know, history with him is very, very worrisome considering where he plays his position. Uh, obviously, he's not going to get moved to first base because we got Joseph Daniel Votto playing first base. Uh, so it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with his health uh, throughout the year. It's definitely something I'm going to keep an eye on, and I think any Cincinnati Reds fan is going to keep an eye on. Uh, I'm with you on the other two guys. Uh, kind of in the same ballpark uh, with Yachty, I think A.J. Brzezinski is getting a little bit too much love uh, as far as his catcher is concerned. Yeah, you know, he had a decent year last year. He batted 300, um, you know, had nine home runs. Uh, you know, but that that's pretty much where it stops. You know, he only provided, you know, 49 RBIs. We're not talking about a guy that's at least trying to chip in 70 for your baseball team. Uh, and if you think that he's going to hit 300 again, I got news for you. You know, I, I think that that was a uh, – he's not, you know, 28, 27 anymore. You know, this isn't the guy playing for the Chicago White Sox. So uh, that average is definitely going to probably rest back to its normal mean, which is probably around the 240, 250 area if he's lucky. Uh, and I think that, you know, he's a guy that, you know, people should probably be avoiding and – Rather go for it. I'd probably rather go for an upside guy in Mazaraco if I was less in that situation over an AJ Pruszynski. Uh, that's how much I think that you know people should probably be avoiding AJ Pruszynski going into this year. Oh, absolutely, and that's. I mean, I've been avoiding him for like ten years now, so that's. <laughs> there's nothing new happening there for me. Uh, for sleepers, and so this. This is where it gets interesting because this guy I bounced back and forth, back and forth between risks and sleepers. Um, and literally, as I wrote his name in my notes the other night, and I wrote, if stays healthy for the first sentence, I got an ESPN alert that he was nursing a wrist injury and was out for the next few days of spring training. And I was just like, oh, my God, like already. But uh, Yasmani yes, Grando broke onto the scene is a big way, power hitting catcher, switch hitting catcher, uh, which is awesome. Um, with the Padres, you know, ran into some PED use suspension issues and a little bit of injury issues, uh, got traded to the Dodgers, 
had a killer year last year to start the season, uh, a 9.27 OPS in the first half, um, and, which literally fell off by half to 498 in the second half, um, which turns a lot of people off and is pushing his ADP way down, which is nice. And basically it was shoulder inflammation the whole time. So um, it was his throwing shoulder. So catching was an issue. Hitting was an issue. Everything was an issue. He's (laughs) healthy-ish, barring this little wrist injury, which doesn't seem to be a big deal. But I think if he can stay healthy, I mean, he's their obvious starter. He's going to catch all the games and he could put up some pretty good numbers for them. I'm always a big fan of switch hitting anything, especially catchers. I think it's awesome. Um, Another guy, uh, Nick Hundley from the Rockies. Uh, He's the clear, clear starter this year. Um, Caught 102 games last year and he's scheduled to catch, they said somewhere between 140 and 145 this year. Coors Field, like, duh, that's just, you know, home splits are insanely good if you play there. There's no way around that. Um, I don't think he's going to eclipse 300 again. Uh, He was one of only like 10 catchers in the last 22 years to hit over 300. Um, But I think like over 270 is a real possibility. You know, over 50 RBIs. A solid late round catcher that could give you some production. Um, And then Deanna Navarro. Uh, You can get this guy literally in the last round or even pick him up on the waiver wire. Um, he's going to platoon with Alex Avila, but Alex Avila is trash. That's that's being rude to trash, to be honest. Like, he's so bad. Um, so Navarro is definitely going to play against left-handed pitchers. He'll probably play against right-handed pitchers at some point if Avila starts sucking too bad or gets injured. Um, so, I mean, if you run into, like, an injury, Navarro is going to be there on the wire. Grab him because you, you're going to get decent, at least decent production out of him. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've been a fan of Deonor Navarro. He just seems like to be one of those guys where every year you're kind of like searching the waiver wire, looking for somebody to pick up, a catcher to slot in there. And then all of a sudden you check and you look and you're like, Deonor Navarro's gotten like 10 at-bats in like the last like five games. Like what's going on here? And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, one of their catchers went down. And Deion Navarro seems to always be in that spot to where he stepped up and he's now the catcher for the team for the rest of the year. So I agree with you there. You know, you get him definitely at a dirt cheap price. Uh, value is value. And I think that, you know, if you're getting a guy that's not even being drafted and uh, he's giving you decent numbers. I mean, we're talking about a guy that can at least hit 270, uh, probably to a handful of homers. Uh, and put up some decent RBI and run totals. I like that. I definitely like that. I like all the guys that you mentioned. Cancer's kind of a position where you're like, uh, do I really want to draft this guy uh, kind of after the you know top four, five, or six? Uh, you know, as far-wise as people that, you know, going to think do some stuff this year, maybe uh, the catcher up there in New York uh, I'm not really sold on him, but I think that, you know, when you're looking at the draft board and you're looking at Matt Winters and then you're looking at Travis, how do you how do you pronounce that? Darno. Denard? Darno? Darno. Oh, these, these weird French. Uh, <laughs> when, you're looking, when you're looking at the both of them, uh, obviously, you know, you look at Matt, Winter, Matt Winters and you're like, okay, well, this guy definitely, you know, could probably hit 20 home runs. Uh, he definitely probably put in, you know, 80 RBIs. But at the same time, uh, with Matt Winters, you look at his history and you're like, okay, well, can you can you stay healthy? 
uh, and right now he's dealing with issues coming out of camp. Uh, you know, and, and last year he was dealing with a lot of injury issues as well, where you know a lot of people were banking on him uh, being kind of a supplemental source of RBI production for the Baltimore Orioles last year, and that's kind of why they you know, kind of faded into obscurity last year instead of, you know, contending like everyone thought they were going to because he wasn't healthy. And I think that, you know, Travis Darno uh, is somebody that, you know, last year and you look at his numbers on the surface, they're not really that great, um, you know, but at the same time, what do you want out of your catcher uh, when you're drafting him, you know, in the 10th, you know, maybe 11th or 12th round? Uh, I think that, you know, if you're drafting this guy, you're drafting him for, you know, his upside and pop. Uh, He only hit 12 home runs last year. Maybe he can get to 15. Maybe he can get to 20, uh, given if he gets more playing time than he did a year ago. And uh, I I think that, uh, you know, the catcher position, I kind of treat catchers like kickers uh, for the most part, you know, unless – well, not like kickers in this regard, unless the – the talent and the values there in the given round, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to draft Buster Posey in the fourth round if he's sitting there, you know. Let's not be stupid, people. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, you kind of look at the catcher position, and it's kind of a punt position in fantasy baseball most of the time, uh, just due to the fact that, you know, anybody can come up and become a catcher and, you know, hit 10 home runs out of nowhere, uh, for a squad or, or be serviceable. Uh, th- there's lots of catchers that do certain things, you know, like, you know, Wilson Ramos is healthy. Uh, he's respectable for average, uh, kind of like when Kurt Suzuki gets playing time. Uh, he's not going to hurt your average if you plug him into your lineup. Uh, you know, other guys are strictly home run hitters. And, you know, other guys are actually getting RBIs. Uh, you know, look at the Cincinnati situation. Say something happens to Devin Mazzarocco, uh, then you're going to look at a guy like, you know, maybe Tucker Barnhart as far as uh, picking him up off the waiver wire and providing, you know, a cheap way to get double-digit home runs, maybe, you know, 20, 30, 40 RBIs. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, with the catcher position, it's definitely one where – you don't put too much stock into it, but if the value's right, uh, definitely go for it. Yeah, that's you know, uh, no bias could stand between me and Buster Posey in the fourth round. Uh, I, would <laughs> I know, right? But you know, that's it. I like how you say it. It, it is kind of a punt with catchers, though. You know, if you miss on Buster early, um, you shouldn't be targeting a catcher to supplant your power or just to provide your primary power or your RBIs, you know, you should be looking for them to supplant it. Um, so you shouldn't, you shouldn't ever be reaching for this position. It, it's okay to wait and just kind of pick up what's there. And it is kind of like a clicker. It's easily my most fluid position. I, you know, swap out catchers three, four, five times a year. And I like what you said about weeders too. It's another guy I bounced between um, risks and sleepers back and forth, back and forth because, um, name recognition, especially on, you know, if you look at like ESPN ADP for people that don't look into things too much or kind of like newer players, uh, it, name recognition pushes his ADP up a little. So he's a little more risky for me, but if he can bounce back, I think he can have a solid season, but he's had two seasons now where he's been injured and it has been a problem. So it's just a guy I'm not really rolling the dice on right now. Um, Looking at breakout stars, this one was kind of hard for me because it's always hard to kind of nail down that next big catcher, especially when there's so many platoons this year. 
looking around the league. But one guy I really, really like is Kurt Casale from Tampa Bay. He had 10 home runs and only 113 plate appearances last season. Um, so right now, to start the season, he's going to be platooning with two guys, Hank Hogner and Rene Rivera. So, I mean, he's not draftable because he's not going to get enough plate appearances to start out. But they've already said that the, if he plays well, um, he'll get more playing time. He'll surpass these guys. So I say by, like, you know, midseason, if he's playing three, four days a week, he's probably someone you should pick up because there's just a ton of power there. Um, and, I mean, if someone has that much power in that dead air stadium in Tampa Bay, he's going to do really well in, you know, New Yankee Stadium. So I think that's somebody to really keep an eye on. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to find I'm trying to find his name like he done went deep in on me here like what I did Kurt Casali C-A-S-A-L-I I'm going to have to write this name down so that I you heard it here first I draft him you heard I it here draft first. him and be like ha ha you guys can't <laughs> get him uh, the, the guy that I'm looking up right now um, if I can find what it is that I'm looking for. If I know how to spell, that'd be great. Um, is this the guy that I'm looking for? No, that's not the guy that I'm looking for. Uh, the, guy, the guy that I was looking at, I, I can't remember his name, uh, but you see, going to be the catcher for the Los Angeles Angels. Um, I'm trying to think of his name off the top. I wish I had my rankings up in front of me. I know he's on there somewhere. Uh, is it Ramirez? I think it might be Ramirez. Let's see. Carlos Perez? Giovanni Soto? Carlos or... Perez. There you go. Yeah, it's Carlos Perez. Yeah. I like that guy. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, with Socha out there in L.A., it's more about the body of work. And right now he's putting in a decent uh, body of work with spring training, um, not it's not 100% that he's going to break camp with the Angels, but I think that given their catcher situation, uh, they probably need to look his way. Uh, you know, obviously they moved a lot of guys out, uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, Sosha likes his catchers to have, you know, a little bit of utility and uh, – have a respectable average. So, you know, I would definitely keep tabs on this guy over the next coming weeks. And if he breaks camp with the Angels, he could definitely be a guy that will be a breakout uh, star at the catcher position uh, for this year and then going into next year. Nice. You know what? I can't disagree with that at all. Somebody I looked at a little bit, but um, Giovanni Soto seems to be one of those guys that Sucks just not enough to get the boot and takes play, a little too much playing time from everybody else. So that's why I left him off my list. But I think uh, looking at like 2017 is definitely, definitely someone to keep an eye on. Um, so now we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to cover first baseman and third baseman here on Rounding Third. We'll be right back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sign up at ownthe.play.com using referral code R3P for special promotions when you make your first deposit. Then test your skills and play head-to-head with Nick and T.
And welcome back to rounding third. So now we're going to take a look at first baseman. Um, one of my favorite positions. Uh, I always like looking at that position. Um, really, really great group of guys. Kind of covers the gamut of stats with these guys, too. Um, Paul Goldschmidt, undisputed first. Uh, Anthony Rizzo, number two. Miggy at three. And then this one, like, I tinkered with a little, but I ended up with Jose Abreu at four and Edwin Ar Encarnacion at five. I don't see anything wrong with that list. Uh, you know, it's hard for me to argue with you when we're talking about, you know, the top five at a position where, you know, it, it is pretty deep. Uh, you know, I might argue with you with Edwin and put in my boy Joseph Daniel Votto uh, at number five instead of E5, uh, just based on homerism alone. Uh, you know, obviously E5 is going to provide a little bit more pop than uh, Joey Votto is going to. Uh, but, I mean, come on. You look at Joey Votto's on-base percentage, and you can't tell me he doesn't belong in the first round. Holler at him. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, you know, Paul Goldsmith is uh, just an absolute beast, uh, you know, clear, clear cut uh, above head and shoulders above the rest of the field at first base uh, as far wise as him being the number one selection at that position. Uh, I like Rizzo at two. Uh, you know, obviously, Miggy's going to be Miggy, I think. You know, he had a kind of a down year last year, but um, Miggy's been playing ball forever and Miggy's always been good. Uh, so I think I'm with you. You know, Miggy still deserves to be in that top five group until he shows us that, you know, he's become like Albert Pujols. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and the rest of that list I definitely agree with. Uh, probably switching out E5 for Joey Votto in his .439 on base percentage. Oh, yeah. Joey Votto's the man. Um such a hard decision between him and Edwin. You know, bounce back and forth. I think roll the dice on any given day. You could ask me again. I'd probably swap them. Um, it, it will be interesting, though, you know, if Joey Votto does get traded to see how that impacts his potential. Um, with the Reds, apparently, you know, just being willing to fire sell everything, just like the Brewers, which well, the, is kind of a bummer. The thing is with the Reds, and it, it, it just it's, – the writing's been on the wall since it happened. And that when they gave them, when they gave Joey Votto the deal, and they gave Brandon Phillips his deal, and then they gave Homer Bailey his deal, you know, the writing was on the wall that we were kind of all in three years ago. And since we were all in three years ago, and three years later we're at the place where we're at now, I don't think we can afford it. I mean, we just, there's no one's going to the baseball games because the team sucks. They're not making as much revenue as we did when we were. At least legitimately good, uh, and I think it would be a travesty to see Joey Votto get traded away. Um, you know, as much as I love Brandon Phillips, but before Brandon Phillips was would be to get traded away. Yeah, it's always a rough situation, you know, especially when it's uh, not even you're selling off because you're just not winning, but because you're under such like a financial burden, you kind of have to try to get out from under it. And MLB is the worst for that, too, because the old team gets on the hook for so much of the money still that, you know, it's one of those things that's probably going to take the Reds two, three years to fully crawl out from under. Yeah. So moving on to risks, um, 
I actually came up with two for first base for me that like really glared. And one of them is interesting because he actually walks the line between either huge risk or really big sleeper reward. Could go either way. Um, Byung-ho Park, the Korean like mega slugger that's uh, going to be playing for the Twins this year. He was the Korean League home run champ four years in a row. He hit over 50 home runs two years in a row. Um, obviously, I'm worried about the adjustment to the game, which... I get less worried about all the time when we see people like Puig and Cespedes just stepping in and, you know, performing right away really well. Um, you know, it's, it's not like this is a college player coming in or some Venezuelan teenager. You know, this is a guy that has played professional baseball in Korea for a while. Um, but there's a lot of quality starting pitching in that division. Um, so it, it's going to be boom or bust with him. It, it could go either way. So I'm staying clear right now just because somebody will probably cut him, and then if he gets a hot streak, you'll probably pick him up later. And then this one kind of hurts, but uh, one of my favorite players, my dude Prince Fielder, he hasn't been over 30 home runs since he left Milwaukee in 2011. Um, he's played in 200 games with Texas in two years now. Really healthy last year. You know, he missed most of the season before. Um, but he's only hit 26 home runs in 200 games. Uh, he's still got a decent on-base percentage and average, but the average is declining. He's almost 32, a regressing walk rate. I, there's just better options of DHs in first base and available. I'm just steering clear, especially because his ADP is way too high. I mean, I was looking the other day on ESPN, and he was going in, like, the sixth round. And I was just like, no, thank you. I don't mind Prince Fielder in the sixth round. I, I think that, you know, these these last couple of years, he just hasn't been himself. Uh, but I think that you're right, you know, it, it wouldn't worry me just as much uh, because of the fact that what we saw him do up there in Milwaukee, he just hasn't been able to get done uh, down there in Texas. And the other guy I I want to highlight is Mark Teixeira. I, I think that, you know, if you think that Mark Teixeira is going to hit 30 home runs again, I I think you're – you're living a crazy life. Uh, you know, obviously there was a stretch where Mark Teixeira was definitely one of the best first basemen in baseball. Uh, but I think last year uh, he was a product of maybe getting a little bit lucky. Uh, you know, you look at his average, he's not going to help you there. You would like for your first baseman to at least have a respectable average if you're drafting him, you know, in those first six to seven rounds. Uh, filling your spot, you know, I don't think that a 230, maybe a 240 average with maybe 20 home runs is really going to get it done uh, for me, for somebody that, you know, I'm going to invest a top pick in, uh, especially at a position where I feel like I can get better uh, either earlier or later in the draft, actually, than Mark Teixeira. So for me, I think Mark Teixeira is probably one of the biggest bigger risk at the position. Uh, another guy I think that is actually a pretty big risk might actually be, and this is only just due to, you know, his position eligibility in certain leagues, but, uh, you know, Smash Davis, I think Smash Davis is getting, you know, a little bit too much love. I think that we're still probably uh, holding on to those days when he hit 50 home runs and, um, I think we need to realize that Chris Davis is not Jose Bautista. Uh, kind of when, you know, Jose Bautista hit 50 home runs, everyone was like, oh, well, Jose Bautista's not going to hit 50 home runs again. And uh, then he went out and hit 50 home runs again. And so I think that, you know, Chris Davis kind of actually benefits from Jose Bautista, where, 
you know, we're waiting for that that kind of power to come all the way back. Uh, he had a respectable year last year in the pop department, but at the same time, uh, at first base, I'm gonna lead. I'm gonna need a little bit more out of my first baseman in the average department. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that you touched on Teixeira because you know, there's a ton of positions where. I'm not touching Yankees in general. Uh, most of their outfielders, first base, catcher, third base. Um, that's just that's not a team I really want to go near fantasy wise outside of their their pitching. And even with the role as Chapman at closer, you know you're looking at, at if you draft him high, having to sit out that first 30 games, that's going to affect you. So it's that's a team that I've noticed just in my research that I'm avoiding kind of across the board. Uh, moving on, looking at sleepers. Uh, this one is one of my favorites. Um, Justin Bohr in Miami, 23 home runs in 129 games last year. Uh, left-handed part of the platoon with Chris Johnson. Uh, his splits against righties is awesome. 270 average with 326 slugging and 519 on base. Um, sorry, other way around. Uh, 30 home runs this season is totally within reason. Um, I think, too, he'll probably push... Chris Johnson out of the picture a little more if he can play better. And I love him having Barry Bonds as a hitting coach. Say what you will about him, steroids, whatever the man can hit. Uh, he can impart a lot of information, a lot of knowledge on these kids. Um, and with protection like John Carlos Stanton in the lineup, uh, Bork can really go off this year. Uh, another guy like his CJ Crone in L.A., um, he struck up early last year, got sent down for a little while, but came back huge. Uh, 586 slugging in July and 531 in August. Um, he's going to see a little more playing time this year. So I think if he can continue what he did at the end of last year, if he can keep it right, um, he's going to—he's criminally underdrafted if he can have a big breakout season. And then Mike Napoli, um, signed with Cleveland. He's going to be their everyday first baseman. Last year was a really, really bad first half with Boston, 193 average. Um, but after he got traded to Texas, he hit 283 in 35 games. Um, oh, sorry, he hit 283 in the second half. In 35 games with Texas, he actually hit 295 with five home runs and 10 RBIs, um, which they attributed to some mechanics changes he made, which he has carried over to Cleveland. He's had a really good spring. So I think that's somebody that you could probably honestly get off the waiver wire or in one of the last couple of rounds. Could definitely offer some help to your team. Yeah, and, and, you know, when we talk about first base, we're talking about a position that's extremely deep. Uh, You know, you're going to be able to find some value somewhere in those later rounds uh, if you're looking for a certain piece uh, for them to add to your roster. And I think you're on something with Napoli where, you know, people may not know that he's the first baseman for the Cleveland Indians. Obviously, he's a little bit up there in age, uh, he may not play almost every day, uh, but at the same time, when he's out there on the field, uh, considering his history with Terry Francona in Boston, uh, I think that you know you, you're probably going to see one of the better years out of Napoli if he stays healthy at the first base position. Uh, you know, kind of like uh, the guys down there, uh, the guy down there in Texas. You know, Prince Fielder isn't the first baseman for the Texas Ranger. Uh, it's Mitch Moreland. And Mitch Moreland, I think, is a guy that, you know, people are sleeping on hardcore. Um, I've seen him go in the 11th to 12th round. Um, you know, obviously, you 
if you're drafting first base, you want the guy to hit, you know, 25 home runs. Uh, you know, last year he didn't quite get there. But I think 23, you know, considering the age, uh, I think it's not out of the realm of possibility to consider Mitch Moreland hitting, you know, 25 to 30 home runs this year. Uh, the average is, say, a respectable range, that 280 range. And, uh, you know, obviously the rest of the numbers will come, um, you know, Looking at his numbers on the surface, uh, the 25 home runs may seem a little out of place. I mean, 23 home runs may seem a little out of place. But two years ago, you know, he did hit 23 home runs for the Rangers as well, had an off year in 2014 and then had a bounce back year in 2015. So there is maybe a little bit of skepticism where, you know, you're thinking, okay, maybe he's going to have a down year. Maybe he's one of those off and on kind of guys. Uh I don't believe in that, and I think that he's a guy that if you're looking at first base, you're looking to acquire a little bit more pop to your roster late in the later rounds. He's definitely a guy you could target. Absolutely. I can't disagree with that at all. Um, and honestly, uh, Mitch Marlin in Texas is a really good alternative Prince Fielder that you can get way later and probably will put up really similar numbers with maybe a slightly lower average. Um, breakout star. This one was really hard because – there aren't a lot of like new incoming first baseman, anything like that. But a guy I like, sadly, because he's from St. Louis, is Steven Piscotti, um, 25 years old. He's primarily going to play the outfield, um, but he is definitely going to get some at-bats at first base, enough to qualify, which is awesome because he'll qualify for four positions or more. So that boosts his value. Um, he's hitting over 400 this spring. They think he's going to hit second in the lineup. Um, he was top 30 in the MLB last year and average batted ball distance. Uh, this dude crushes. Seven home runs, two stolen bases, and a 305 average and 256 plate appearances. That's solid. I mean, that is great production from your number two hitter. If he can carry that over a full season, it, it, he's going to be a stud. And, I mean, this is someone nobody's even talking about. He's going to go undrafted for sure. Yeah, I'm not a fan of St. Louis. Uh, can we just stop talking about them? I wish. I really wish. Like, gosh, they just, they're just, they're like roaches. We're just going to call them roaches from now on out. The St. Louis roaches. I'm I'm down with that. That is such a good decision. Um, You know, like you said, though, you know, first base is a position where, you know, you're looking at all of these guys, especially in the later rounds, and, um, you know, it's kind of an elder statesman position right now. It's kind of like, you know, how quarterback is in the NFL where uh, it feels like there's just a lot of old guys just staying around for no reason right now and uh, kind of waiting for those guys to rotate out and get some fresh blood at the first base position. But, um, you know, for the most part, most of these guys um, that you'll get in the later rounds will probably serve a categorial need. So uh, Scotty is probably climbing up draft boards as we speak, as we close spring training now. Um, probably climbing up two, three, four, five rounds. I, I just I I don't know who else. I mean I kind of am still a believer in Albert Pujols. I think that where he's being drafted is a little bit unfair. I think he had a down year last year. Obviously he's not the same machine as he was, you know, that decade that he was in St. Louis. Uh, but I still think he's one of the more serviceable first basemen. Uh, and also, I mean, you know, if Joe Maurer's playing, uh, you know, he still has first base eligibility in some leagues. 
you know, I've seen him go undrafted, and I just can't even believe it. Like, wow, this is what Joe Maurer has become. Uh, you know, obviously, he's not going to do what he did, you know, six, seven years ago. He's not that guy, folks. He's not even going to play every day because of the fact that, you know, he has those health concerns. Uh, but I think that when he's on the field, he's usually in a spot in the lineup that's, you know, in the top four. And uh, I think that that alone kind of warrants some consideration later on in the draft if you're looking for, you know, an extra bat to fill out the lineup. Yeah, absolutely. I think you touched on a couple of really good, uh, you know, older players that aren't necessarily going to play every day. Um, but if they stay healthy, they can both DH, which is good, um, and they'll probably get really good production out of them. Uh, all right, so last but not least tonight, we are going to cover third baseman, uh, one of my more favorite categories here. Um, so top of the list, easily, number one, reigning MVP, my dude, Josh Donaldson, uh, without a doubt. Uh, number two, and this one was hard for me, two and three, I had to kind of flip-flop a little bit, but Nolan Arenado, um, I think I gave him the edge just because he's going to play 81 games in Coors Field this year. Close third, Manny Machado, uh, spoiled little bitch, but he's really good at baseball. Oh, man, sorry, I just can't stand him ever since he threw that bat at Johnson like two years ago. Like, I'm still salty about it. Uh, <laughs> no, number four, another Cub, Chris Bryant. And then you'll be a fan of this one, and this one was kind of hard. I, I went back and forth with a couple dudes, but in the end, uh, number five, the Todd father, Todd Frazier, making the move to the White Sox. Um, I, you know... I, it's really funny because I'm kind of contradicting myself because earlier I talked about how, oh, it's a risk whenever anybody moves. But I think that's more so with pitchers. Um, I think Todd Frazier is a really good batter. Uh, he has really good patience in the box. He has a really good eye for the ball. So I don't think a move to another division, um, even you know a division with arguably better pitching than he faced last year, is really going to be too much of an issue for him. Yeah, and and when you think about Chicago, you know, yeah, everyone wants to talk about, you know, how the wind carries in Wrigley, but, you know, the wind kind of carries in cellular field as well, and, you know, that can definitely help Todd Frazier get to that 30 home run mark that you're probably drafting him for. Uh, I I don't know if he'll have that. I mean, he's kind of a streaky hitter. He's going to have some months where he's completely cold. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, bank on the average returning to, you know, kind of a last year or even two years ago's form. Uh, I think there will be an adjustment period, but I think he'll do it very well, and he'll get to that 25 to 30 plateau, home run plateau. Uh, so I definitely feel you on that. Uh, the rest of your list, you know, I I like. I mean, there's no problem with uh, any of those guys on that list. Uh, you know, obviously – when you think about third base, uh, it's become kind of a sexy position. Remember, like, a few four or five years ago, uh, third we're talking about third base, like, oh, it's just position scarcity, and you got to draft Evan Longoria or you're not going to get a third, good third baseman. And, you know, we were fighting over David Wright and all these other guys. And, you know, now we got all these young guys coming up playing third base. Uh, you know, a lot – a lot of young guys that, you know, provide a lot of hype. Uh, I would actually probably put – no, I don't think I can do that. I, I wanted to put Nolan Arenado at first, uh, but you're right. Josh Donaldson belongs at first in this position. Uh, just due to the fact that he is the reigning MVP, uh, you know, probably dabbing with Cam somewhere. Uh but Arenado, I, I, I think that he's one of the more intriguing uh, players in baseball. 
you know, obviously last year something happened. Uh and him and Cargo just, you know, I guess they were like having a bet or something, like Oh, let me see. Let's see who can hit the most home runs uh, here for the rest of the year. And they just kind of went on a home run spree uh, there those last few months. Uh, For me, he's one of the better people to pick in the first round if you're looking just based on upside alone. Um, You know, obviously he hit 40-plus home runs in, in, you know, playing most of his games in cores last year. Uh, And and when you look at that number, you know, obviously – they're like, okay, yeah, he's not going to hit 40 home runs. And I can't—I kind of agree with you, but I think that him playing in cores, like you said, I think that makes it an automatic lock for at least 30. You know, and that's not a bad bargain at third base. Uh, the rest of that list, I, I think that, you know, it's – I think that's fine. Uh, because obviously we're going to be talking about some guys later on who could probably sneak into that five category. Uh but at the same time, I think that their ADP needs to stay where it is, and I don't think they deserve to get that bump up unless you're reaching. So let's go to the next part. Yeah, and, you know, um, it's I like that you touched on uh, that just a few years ago it was, you know, position scarcity and everything. And I was just talking about this the other day. We were, you know, three, four years ago we were literally fighting to get – 88 games out of David Wright. Like, what is that? Like, we've come a long way, so it's nice that there's a lot more options at the position at this point. Um, Risks, uh, I landed on a couple for me that really stood out. Um, One of them, Adrian Beltre. Dude's the 37. His numbers have been declining for a long time. His ADP is really boosted up by name recognition still. It's it's just too bloated for me right now. Um, His numbers dropped heavily across the board last year. uh, Home run numbers are really down over the last two years. Um, I'm just trying to stay away from him. There's there's so many other options available right around his ADP that are, you know, 6th, 7th, 8th on my list. So I'm I'm staying clear of him. And then Brett Lowry with the White Sox, um, he's going to split time between second and third. So when he plays third, Todd Frazier will probably DH, I'm guessing. I don't know how they do it there. Um, but his ADP is, like, really, really high. Um, yes, he's awesome. You know, I love him being an original Brewers prospect. He's one of the few players we've actually drafted well and then traded away. Um, he's never played that many games. Um, last year, a career high 149, which like smashed his old career record. Um, and he finished the season ranked 228th and he had an ADP of like 88th. So, I mean, that's just awful return on investment. Um, uh, moving to U.S. failure field, I think is promising, but, his stolen base numbers are like going down. The more he bulks up, the slower he gets. He's missed 29% of his games uh, in his five-year career. He, you know, you get a little boost in value being that he can play second or third in your roster, but that's just a dude I'm seriously steering so clear of. He has never provided a positive return on investment when comparing ADP and finishing rank for the season. Yeah, and a few other guys that, you know, you guys probably need to avoid to not kind of fall into a trap with or like Moose uh, in Kansas City, you know, you look at his postseason from a year ago and you're like, oh, maybe the light came on. No, folks, let's just every avoid. I've been, I've been down I've been down that road every year. I have. I've, I've always drafted Moose late, and this year I'm like, nope, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. It's not going to happen. Um, you know, and, and 
guy similar to that in Luis, Luis Valbuena. I don't know why people are drafting him. Uh, I don't really understand when you guys look at Luis Valbuena's name and think to yourself, oh, look at the numbers he put up last year. I mean, come on, folks. It's still Luis Valbuena, okay? <laughs> think about it for a second before you select him, okay? Uh, you know, obviously last year, in, in my opinion, and I have, I've already gone on record to say this about the Houston Astros, but I think they may have gotten a bit lucky. And I think that Luis Valbuena is definitely somebody that got lucky a year ago, hitting more than 20 home runs out of nowhere, uh, qualifying at third base. I, I've seen him definitely go a little bit higher than I think that he should. And, um, you know, with, with that position, there's definitely other people you can grab. Uh, and take chances on instead of, you know, settling for, you know, Luis Valbuena and just plugging in the quote-unquote projections. Yeah, and, you know, when you get towards the bottom of the barrel with the third baseman, um, I landed on one sleeper that I was like, yes, this is definitely a sleeper for me. But other than that, like, I, I was kind of even reaching to fill out just, like, three people I could talk about. Um, the, a lot of the positions are pretty set or are pretty set between a platoon. Um, there's not a lot of young guys coming up, but a couple guys I landed on. For one, um, Michael Franco in Philly. Um, he hinted at a really good breakout last year before he injured his wrist. Um, really good plate discipline. Hits in a power-friendly park. Um, he has the upside to finish top 10 third baseman, and he's ADP is being drafted as like the second or third to last third baseman. So that's that's somebody you could take pretty much in the last couple of rounds and get a really good return on investment if he stays healthy. Uh, outside of that, uh, a couple guys I hit on were Jung-Ho Kang in Pittsburgh. He'll probably play shortstop more than third, but he's going to get some games at third, too. He is coming off a really bad knee injury and surgery, so he actually won't start the season and start playing until like late April, early May. But good stash. Throw him on your DL right away. Um, he's good for like 15-plus homers, really good potential stolen base numbers. Um, and like I said, you know, you get the added boost of being able to put him at shortstop as well. And then Hector Oliveira in Atlanta. I, I this is a grain of salt one for me because you know everyone wants to cry oh breakout player you know rookie sensation well yes but dude was a 31 year old rookie so like obviously there's a reason he took so long to get to the majors but he will be an everyday player this year um, he'll get time at second base as well so that boosts his value really good power um, and a crazy low ADP so I saw a little you know waiver wire stash after your draft. Yeah, I think uh, Oliveira is uh, batting like 400 or something like that this spring training. Yeah, uh, A lot of the third basemen that you just mentioned are having pretty solid springs, that including Franco. Uh, I've had him uh, kind of all over my draft uh, board and all over my rankings over the last few weeks. Uh, I, I'm a believer in Franco's skill set. I think he'll definitely finish the year as one of the top 10 third basemen uh, for fantasy baseball. Uh, the health is definitely going to be an issue. But as it stands right now, you know, considering the spring that he's having, uh, probably also the more important factor of it all is probably considering where he's going to hit in that lineup. Uh, Most of the time last year when they had him in the lineup, he was batting towards the top of the order. Uh, Granted, you know, it's not really that much protection batting in front of a guy like Ryan Howard uh, now as opposed to Ryan Howard, you know, six, seven years ago. Uh, But at the same time, you know, that's pretty – it's got to show some kind of a sign of confidence to drafting this guy. 
if you feel like you need to reach for him to fill out your third base slot uh, and you're a believer in the hype, uh, he will be batting in the two or the three hole most days that he's playing for the Phillies. All those other guys that you mentioned, I, I like very, very much. Uh, you know, being a little bit homerish, uh, Suarez here in Cincinnati uh, is definitely a guy that you could probably get late and get extremely good value for. Um, you know, there will be days he's going to be playing shortstop. There will be days he'll be playing third base. Uh, obviously, uh, the upside is kind of similar to Kang's in that, you know, he's going to provide some pop. He's going to get some stolen bases in there as well. I don't know much about the average department, I think a respectable 270 uh, is definitely doable for Suarez. Um, but as far as third base is concerned, I mean, it, you can almost stream third base after you get past like that first 12, uh, and you'll be able to find some kind of value along the way uh, throughout the season. I know there have been times where I was rocking, you know, Danny Valencia in my third base slot or. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, trying to think of another guy that I've been rocking with third base slot before, uh, like a, a Casey McGee. You know, sometimes you just find yourselves, you know, having these random crazy dudes in your third base slot, you know, just putting up these solid average numbers and, uh, you know, decent amount of sprinkling towards your RBI and run. So uh, third base for me, it's not much like catcher as far as this team's concerned, you definitely want to try and acquire a decent third baseman just so that you don't have to worry about filling the slot. Uh, but if you end up punting a position outside of catcher on the offensive side, uh, third base is probably one where you could do that because of the fact that um, a lot of the times you see a lot of, especially now considering some of these guys are getting older and getting hurt a lot more, like you know Evan Longoria, uh, even, you know, the David Wright situation up there in New York. Uh, so you'll have some chances along the way throughout the season to acquire a third baseman that's going to give you some decent numbers. Yeah, and I think you made a really good point. Um, you know, if you're getting consistent uh, production, specifically power production from, like, your first baseman and at least one of your outfielders, um, and whoever you drafted at third base isn't working out, that's a position you can definitely start to stream. Uh, very streamable, but you definitely don't want to try to punt it in the draft if you can help it. Uh, you should try to get a quality third baseman. Um, you know, and speaking of streaming then, too, that plays right into my breakout guy for this year, um, Joey Gallo down in Texas. Um, playing time could be a problem right now because um, right now he's blocked by Adrian Beltre, who we just talked about as being a risk and then Mitch Moreland at first as well, and then also Ian Desmond in the outfield. Um, So there's really no clear path for him to get a ton of playing time right now, so it's one of those guys you really want to watch on the wire. Um, If any of those guys get injured or Beltre starts playing really badly, Desmond starts playing really badly, um, this is someone we're going to see get a lot of playing time quickly. Um, Really powerful bat coming off the bench, good eye for the ball, good on-base percentage. Um, You know, I think we're looking at a guy in a year or two being like a top-five third baseman. All right, and that's our show for this week. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget to check out socalledfantasyexperts.com as well as ownthe.play.com and tune in this Monday for the other set of our previews. Thanks for listening. Have a good weekend. Thanks for listening. 
don't forget to check out socalledfantasyexperts.com for rankings, strategies, tips, DFS content, other podcasts, and more.